Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Thank God for this book. How many chapters, let's put this way, how many books are in the Bible? 66? How many in the Old Testament? Not a trick question. <laughs> 39, right? How many in the New Testament? 27, right? And how many chapters are in the Bible? 1,189. How many in the Old Testament? 929. How many in the New Testament? 260. Right? That's a lot of words, wouldn't you say? A lot of chapters? Right. Think about that. That's, that's a lot of material in that book, right? I, now, I don't want to brag on any intelligence that I have, but I'll tell you this. I can summarize this whole book by saying one word. Jesus. Did you get that? Yes. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Now you know the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. This book is all about Jesus. In the Old Testament, it's the preparation for Jesus. You start in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and what you discover is that the seed of the woman was going to come and destroy what the devil tried to do. Right? And then you go and you see Noah's flood, building a boat to the salvation of his house, a type of Christ being our Savior. It goes to Abraham being called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, finding a city and builder whose maker is God, giving birth to Isaac, who's to be offered up on the mount of sacrifice, and God was going to offer up his son. It was a type. You go on through the prophets, you discover all kinds of things all pointing to one person, Jesus, in the book of Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Unto us a child is born and a son is given. All these prophetic utterances in the city of Bethlehem. And the list goes on and on. The Old Testament is summarized in one name, Jesus. It's all about preparation for him to come to the earth. Secondly, the Gospels. The Gospels... Revealed to us the manifestation of Jesus. Even John said he's got to prepare the way of the Lord, for the Lord. But in the book of John, what do we read? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All this preparation that took 4,000 years, we now see walking on the earth. On the shores of Galilee. And what's he doing? Revealing to us the heart of God. What's he doing? Fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant. What's he doing? Keeping the law, fulfilling the law. As it says in due time, he was born of a virgin. And she gave birth to him as it was prophesied, as it was spoken by the prophets. But here he is 
God Himself, robed in flesh, walking on this earth, living a life that no man ever lived before, dying a death no man ever died before, being raised from the dead. Along the way, He revealed the very compassionate heart of Almighty God when, when He did what? Oh, my goodness. He touched the heart and life of any person that ever came into contact with Him. It didn't matter what your sickness was, what your disease was, what your situation was, whether there was demon possession or what it was. The Bible says he was moved with compassion to heal their sick. It was almost as if he was saying, I can't tolerate this anymore. My heart is breaking over humanity that's being hurt and bound by demonic influences and powers. And so he came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil as he walked upon this earth. And everywhere he went, he healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he raised the dead. He caused the stormy sea to cease. And it's operations. It's all about Jesus on earth among us. Why do people want to go to other people and talk about other things? Let's talk about Jesus. Preparation for Jesus and now the manifestation of Jesus. And then we get to the book of Acts, number three. What's that about? The proclamation of his message. Proclaiming it. Oh, wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been there on the day of Pentecost when all those that cowered in fear were empowered with power from on high. And Peter got on the horn and he started to proclaim the gospel message. Unashamedly, with no fear whatsoever, what did he say? You're the ones that killed him. You're the ones that wanted to see him dead. But guess what? Death could not hold him in the grave. He's alive. God raised him from the dead and he's alive. Uh, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall you do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. That's what you should do. But we're Jewish people. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be, be baptized in his name and you'll be saved. Not just you. Your sons, your daughters, your household and those that will believe on him hereafter. The proclamation of the gospel. And then we have the next phase. Number four. You see, it's all about proclaiming Jesus. And that's the explanation. See, when we read the Bible in these terms, we understand it this way, it makes it simpler. What explanation? Paul received the revelation called the Pauline revelation. What happened from the cross to the throne was revealed to him. And also the insertion of the church age, the mystery age of the church was also revealed to him. You see that in Ephesians chapter 3. And so we have an explanation of the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. Also, the new creation, and what this meant to the Father, the blood that was shed for our redemption, how he took it to the high court of heaven and did all that he did. We have that revealed to us by the Apostle Paul and then some of the other apostles and writers of, the, uh, of the, uh, the epistles to give us a revelation and an understanding of what Jesus did for us. So it's called an explanation of his finished work. And sometimes it just puzzles me how people want to focus in on this and focus in on that. And it's almost like we've ignored this finished work, this amazing, amazing work of our Lord. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came so that through death he would destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. He came to bind up the strong man. He came to suffer for our sin. He came and took upon himself our punishment and when everybody came against him and finally utterly killed him and destroyed him, so they thought he rose from the dead on the third day and proved himself 
to be the victor over death, over hell, the grace. What does that mean to me? I could be a new creation, a child of Almighty God. Born of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's what it means to me. I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. And we can go on all the details, but it's an explanation of his finished work. We should focus on that. We should major on that. That's not a minor subject. That's a major subject. Can you say amen? amen. And then finally, what's the last section? Consummation. It's the book of Revelation. What does it reveal to us? The consummation of all things. How, praise God, as he told him in the beginning, about the things that were, are, and the things that will become, will become in the future. The church is raptured out of here in Revelation chapter 4. The wrath of God is poured out for seven years. And then comes Jesus in the battle of Armageddon. And praise God, we come with him. And then, after 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ, Gog and Magog takes place. And then you've got the great white throne judgment. You've got the new heavens. You've got the new earth. We've had our marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the consummation of all things. And guess what? I don't think we need to sleep. I think eating is only by choice. I know weight gain is non-existent. How about that one? Weight gain is non-existent. Aging is of the past. No more sorrow, no more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, no more sickness, no more disease, no more woes in this life. All those things are out the door, praise God. Amen. So if we understand the Bible in those terms, we see it that way. It makes it easier to, 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 for, to know it, to understand it. It's all about Jesus. That's what it, we sang about it. No, what, what an appropriate song. It's all about Jesus. That's what it's all about. Now, what about Jesus now? About this, what time are we living in right now? The proclamation and the explanation. It's a church age. So we're still proclaiming the gospel message, right? And we have an explanation of what happened. So just a little bit more about this explanation. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he has entered into what is called his high priestly ministry. He is the high priest of the new covenant. He's the mediator. He's the advocate. He's the intercessor and the surety. Sometimes those words we don't understand in, in the King James. Surety just means guarantee. Your ironclad guarantee. Anybody ever want to sell you an ironclad guarantee? It's as long as you're alive. And, it's, and the thing's going to die and wear out before you can cash in on your guarantee. But they'll make you pay for it. This is a guarantee that is sure. He's called the surety. He stands behind every word every statement of fact, every promise of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. He stands behind it. His blood stands behind it. We are guaranteed, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb that every promise is yes. And, amen. and the amen is by us. So, okay, he's high priest. This is going to thrill me, this message, because I brought this message 40, here 44 years ago this week. And I'm telling you what, it has changed lives. Amen. It has touched hearts. Yes. It brought us to where we're at. Amen. Are you ready for it? Look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. From the New King James Version. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our what? Confession. Our what? Confession. He's the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Confession means saying the same thing. He's the high priest 
of our saying the same thing. Well, what same thing are we saying? Well, we're saying the same thing that's been revealed to us in this revelation and explanation of his finished work. So whatever it is that he acquired for us, achieved for us, I'm supposed to say that. I'm supposed to declare that, confess that. And he's a high priest of that, of my confession. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Look at these verses here. Because this is our entrance into it all. This is how we got born again. This is how we got saved. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, what is it, Paul? The word of faith. Oh, what a, what a title. You know how many people are down on the word of faith message? It's because they don't understand it. And they don't know it. What did Paul preach? The word of faith, which we preach. Paul, are you telling me that you were a word of faith preacher? Uh, yeah, he was. Now notice this. That if thou shalt what? Confess. With your mouth, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now he's telling us how to get saved. How do we get saved? For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto soteria, salvation, rescue, deliverance, healing, wholeness, soundness, etc. But now notice these verses. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You don't work for righteousness. We don't keep the law for righteousness. We don't do good deeds for righteousness, etc., etc. As a matter of fact, the whole chapter is talking all about how these Jews, they had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, because they were going about trying to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law. Right? And he says, that's not it. See, man does not earn righteousness. Man does not work for righteousness. Man does not keep the law to be, to be declared righteous. Then how does he get righteous? He believes unto righteousness. With the heart, he believes to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what does he believe from his heart? That Jesus died for his sins. He was raised from the dead on the third day for our justification. So that he was made sin for us who knew no sin to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. So what do I confess? Him as my Lord and my Savior. And all of a sudden, the righteousness of God is imparted to me by the Holy Ghost based on my believing in my heart and saying with my mouth what the Word says, saying the same thing that God said. What am I saying? He was made sin for me so I could be made righteous in Him. So with the heart, man believes to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Well, that sounds so simple, doesn't it? There's a problem. And the problem is this. It's found in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. This people draws nigh unto me with their what? Mouth. And honoreth me with their lips. But heart is what? Okay. Here's my mouth. My heart's over there at the door. I'm trying to reel that baby in. See, I'm honoring with my mouth, but my heart is so far from him. I know how to say the right things, but my heart is so far from him. I got to get these two in sync. See, here's where the difficulty lies. It's not that this message isn't true. The difficulty lies in this. 
The heart of man is out there. Isn't that what we're told in Scripture? Yeah. To get that heart to line up with this mouth is the challenge that we all have as believers. Because what he did for me, I got to believe from my heart and say it with my mouth. So I like to say it like this oftentimes. There's a confession of the heart and there's a confession of the mouth. But there's also a confession of our lips, number one, that brings faith. And there's another confession that releases faith. If I don't confess the word to bring faith into my heart, then you see, I'm not going to have the faith I need to release from my mouth. There's where the difficulty lies. I've got to get my heart to line up with my mouth and my mouth to proclaim and decree and confess the truth of God's word from my heart. Why? So I can experience the reality of whatever it is that God said about me so I can experience what he said. You see, we say the same thing. Say with me, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, and that's wonderful. But how often do we deal with guilt, condemnation, sin consciousness, inferiority? See, we're saying it, but if we really believe it from the heart, whenever that ugly thing called sin consciousness, guilt and condemnation rises up. You know what we're going to do? Uh-uh. No. It's not based on my performance. It's based on the performance of Christ. You ready for how it works? Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. He's the high priest of our what? Of our what? Confession. And the confession is of the heart and of the mouth. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, that's our part, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Notice this high priestly ministry involves you and, and me. The two of us, we are confessing what the word says. And guess what? Jesus, as the high priest of the new covenant, is seated right by the Father. And he goes, hey, Father, did you hear, hear Bill down there saying, thank you for Andrew's left pulmonary artery? Hallelujah, I declare it, I proclaim it, I decree it. Did you hear him? I'm telling you, listen to him. Are you getting this? If I don't believe it in my heart and say with my mouth, I'm not cooperating with God. And it's important that I understand that because he is the high priest of my confession. That's why when we tell people, See, it's wrong just to tell somebody, oh, don't say that. How much time do you have today? Because I got a lot stored up in me today. I was at school at Rainbow one time and someone came up. To, I, I was walking. I was walking into the grocery store to get that fresh squeezed orange juice. So good. That's what I wanted. It was just, I mean, they squeeze it right there in front of your eyeballs. It's just wonderful. Like drinking an orange. Saw someone from school. You know, and I said, take care. You would have thought I said, you're the devil. The person got halfway to his car, turned around, came back to me and said, stop talking like that. I said, like what? You told me to take care. 
Do you not know that you're telling me to take the worries, the anxieties, the frustrations of life and carry them on my shoulder when you say that? I said, no, I was just saying to watch over yourself. There are other definitions of take care. You understand that? You see, you could take something to an extreme and don't even know what you're talking about. I did not mean for you to take the frustrations, the worries, or the cares. Or I would have said, hey, take the frustrations, the cares, and the worries upon you as you go. Have a great day. <laughs> no, I just be mindful of yourself. Do you tell your child when you go on, maybe they're driving and it's snowing outside, whatever, be mindful, be watchful. If you were to even say be careful, you're not saying be worrisome and be, right? Well, I'm telling you this person was so aggravated by what I said that he had to come back and put me in my place. Anyhow. You know, there's always two sides to everything. So anyhow, Jesus will take our confession to the Father. The confession must be from the heart and with the mouth. So let's go to the beginning here. When he saw me on my knees in my prayer closet, and I said, Lord, I come to you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm receiving you as my Savior and my Lord. I confess you as the Lord of my life. Jesus said to the Father, did you hear that? I'm the high priest of that declaration. Holy Ghost, get on him. Save him. Recreate his spirit. Are you seeing this? Well, if you don't want to see it that way, listen, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Let's look at this. The Holy Ghost needs our words to work with. Did you know that? And if we don't speak the word, he has nothing to work with. Mary, put yourself in her sandals. The angel Gabriel disappeared to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a child. Mary said to the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Legitimate question. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the, most, uh, power of the uh, highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And guess what happened? The Holy Ghost overshadowed her and she conceived in her womb the Son of God. If she could have said, you better look for another because I'm, I'm too young to be having a kid. But she didn't. Be, you know what? That, what declaration we should make. Be it unto me according to your word. Against all odds, against all reason, against all logic. Okay. Be it unto me. Forget logic, reason. Throw it out the window. As far as I'm concerned, if that's what you said, I believe it. Now, the Holy Ghost had something to work with when she said that. And because she said that, the high priest of her confession saw to it that it happened. And she became pregnant with the Savior of the world. So he is the high priest of our confession. Now, once we get saved and into the kingdom, it doesn't change. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, if you would. It doesn't change. This again from the New King uh, James Version. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Notice the emphasis is on what? We have a great 
high priest who is passing through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our keeping the law, no. our church attendance, no. our good deeds that we do, no. our loving one another. No. We should, but it doesn't say that, does it? No. Let us hold fast what? Our, our what? Our confession. For we do not have a high priest who, can, who, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So our high priest is aware of what we're going through. So once we get saved, we still need mercy, we still need grace, we still need divine intervention, we're going to go through trials, tribulations, circumstances, adversities, and all that. What are we supposed to do? Hold fast our confession. Our confession of what? Saying the same thing that God said. See, once again, we can't get so caught up in the spectacular that we think we're going to live our lives by it. And I thank God for the spectacular. I thank God for signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank God for that. But to live the life of the Christian requires what I'm saying here today. And I'm telling you, it revolutionized people's lives. It got many miracles in their lives. But it gave them the ability to do what they couldn't do before. And that is to trust God from the heart because they understand how it works now. Okay? So... What confession am I to hold fast to? Well, what about I'm redeemed? I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. You say, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter how you feel. That's the finished work of Christ. He made you a new creation in Him. I'm a new creation washed in the blood. What about this one? I'm a partaker of the divine nature. When's the last time you made that declaration? I'm a partaker of the divine nature. See, this confession business is not talking about, oh, we confess for oil wells and we confess for uh, automobiles and all that. That's a diversion. That's a distraction. You know, we confess, I am a child of the living God. I am born of the Spirit. I am washed in the blood. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and power and fire. And I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. I'm endued with power from on high. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm a representative of heaven. And as I live my life upon this earth, I will say what the Word of God says about me because I know that when I say it, my Lord, my high priest, takes it to the Father and confesses it and says, yeah, it's true. Because I washed Him in my blood. Do you hear him down there saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when it seems like we're falling apart because of all the difficulties and trials? It's so easy to navigate toward what? The feelings and the emotions that we all have, and we all have them, we all go through them. When there's pain in the body, guess what? It's a lot harder to say, with his stripes, I am healed. Can you agree to that? But you know what? He wants us to hold fast to that confession no matter what. And we, we war with it because, well, I'm going to be healed. Why are you saying you're going to be healed? Because, you know, I'm, I'm still filled. This. There's where the problem lies. I'm already healed in his mind. I've got to embrace that from my heart. Now, when I say, he says, that you're so far, your heart's so far from me. You know how far the heart is from here? That far. 
Get it from here to here. We have to embrace these truths and we'll see more manifestations. For example, someone heard me teach this who was infertile, could not have children. And I gave my testimony and said, read Psalm 128. Stop calling yourself infertile and stop saying that you can't have children. It's time for you to say what the Bible says, confess it, declare it, proclaim it, and guess what? The Holy Ghost will make it good. Guess what happened? She did that very thing and got pregnant. When you stop saying the wrong thing, confessing the wrong thing, and start confessing what the Word of God says, that's when the Holy Ghost will overshadow you and me and take over in our lives. Now, we can be bold to declare this, but you know what? If we're honest with ourselves, we got a lot of work to do in the heart. Because how, how do I know this? I'll give you one quick example. Y2K. We forget that, don't we? Everybody was scurrying around. Everybody was buying up the bottled water. And they were on TV watching someone selling all these, these, these food products that you're going to take with you in your hole where you're going to live. And if your neighbor tried to come over to get a bottle of water, you'll shoot them because you got your gun. Yeah, walking in love. I'll do it in love. Yep, sorry. Someone became a millionaire over the book about fear, about Y2K and what to do. And guess what? It was a dud. What happened? It's 2023. We're still here. Where's their bottle of water? Where's all the food? Well, we're preparing for the next episode. No, what you're preparing is your heart for fear. Men's hearts will, fear, will fail them for what? For fear. Because they don't know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the truth is the fact that if he has to rain down manna from heaven to feed his children, he'll do it again. Why don't we just believe that? Okay. Now, I were to hold fast to the fact I've got power over the enemy and so on and so forth. But these, these must be foundational truths that we establish in our hearts. Now look at Matthew's gospel. Finally got there. Love these verses. They mean so much to me. Jesus one day, believe it or not, was hungry. Often wondered why he wasn't looking for a steak dinner or spaghetti. He was looking for a fig. Right? And so he's on a mission. I mean, he is fired up. He's going to the temple. He's going to overthrow the money, the uh, table of the money changers, right? He's going after it, man. And he walks by this fig tree, looks at the fig tree, see if he can find some figs thereon, and didn't find any. So what does he do? No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And let's go on goes in, proceeds to go into the temple. You know what he does there. Comes back out, goes back to Peter's house, gets back up, goes the next morning. Peter says, Lord, how about this? He had to draw his attention to it. Jesus wasn't concerned about the dead tree. But Peter said, Lord, the tree, you cursed it. Look, it's dead, drive by, by the root. Jesus doesn't even answer that. He, says, he says this, have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Have faith in God. For verily I say to you, you can put them up if you want, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Whoa. 
Wow. Does he mean that? Well, he said it. I, I believe he's the best faith teacher I know. What about you? And when he said in verse 22, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith, I say all three of them because people argue with, it's have the faith in God, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. So let's use all three of them. It doesn't matter what, here's how it works. Whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not, mm, why did he have to say this, doubt in his heart. we got to reel that heart in. The ten spies, they couldn't get beyond the giants and all that because it wasn't in their heart. But Caleb says, I brought back word in my heart. There's your difference right there. One had it in the heart, one didn't. What they had in their heart was we can't do it. What they had in their heart, we can do it. We'll get to that later. But notice this. If you say to that mountain, it'll be removed. Now, do you think there has to be, you know, like, there's like a governor. When you, when you rent a, you used to be when I rented a U-Haul, there was a governor on it. You couldn't go over a certain amount, certain speed. Did he still have that today? I don't know if they do or not. But there was. It was a governor on it. You couldn't go over it, right? Thank God this thing has to work in a certain way. Because you, can you imagine if, now, I'm sure none of you have ever had this happen to you. We've got these stools in our house. On the top of it, it's like this round, but it kind of protrudes out that way. And so when you're walking like this here and you see the top of it and you think that you're by it and then you kick Ow. your toe and you see stars. Anybody ever done that? And you turn around and you say, no man sit on thee hereafter forever. And then you... You go out the back and you let the dogs out and you walk back in and there's a dust pile there. Oops. I guess I shouldn't have said that. That's dangerous, wouldn't you say? You see why that's, it doesn't just work automatically? Oh, honey, that just tickles me to death. What happened? He said that tickles me to death and, you know, call the funeral home. It's not magic. When I said we can't have children, the doctor said the endometriosis, the surgery, the removal of all the body parts, the blah, 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 blah. We can't have children. My brother reads Psalm 128. Okay. Blessed is the man that serves the Lord. That's me. Walks in his ways. That's me. Happy shall he be. That's me. His wife shall be a fruitful vine planted by the side of his house and his children like all the plants around his table. That's not me. I don't know how many people would do this. Got on my knees and just said, I lied about you, Lord. I told people, we can't have children because you don't want us to have children. Boy, I got my act together in a, in a quick hurry. Forgive me for lying about you. I'm confessing what your word says, and your word says, my wife will be a fruitful vine planted by the size of my house, and my children, like all the plants around my table. So, in the name of Jesus, did, you've heard what I said I did, laid hands on her, believed God, instantly healed Two weeks pregnant. 
Isn't that something after five years? Someone says, it was just a coincidence. You know, people that are non-believers, they don't believe anything. They must believe in coincidences, though. Is it something that when I kept saying that we can't have children, we couldn't have children? But the moment I believed from my heart what God said and said it, within two weeks she's pregnant. Oh, that was a coincidence. Well, you know what? I've had many coincidences then. Jesus taught the connection between the heart and mouth. And you've heard me say this before. If he would have said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and, and shall doubt in his heart, then he'll have whatever he says. We'd have it made. It's easy. Yeah, I doubt it all the time. But he didn't say that. He said, and don't doubt. There's where the problem lies. If you're an honest Christian, I know that I am, as you are, it's not easy to get these two in sync. Because you can come from a place of prayer and just believe God. And within two minutes, you denied everything you just prayed. You haven't been there? Look at Matthew 17, verse 20. Here's something that those that want spectacular things ignore, haven't seen. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say. Notice when he teaches faith, he talks about what you say. You shall say to this mountain, remove hence to the honored place. It shall remove and everybody say nothing. Nothing. Nothing what? Shall be impossible unto you. I'm going to come up with a new t-shirt, that slogan that says, nothing is impossible to me. They'll say, oh, you arrogant thing. I said, no, I'm just biblical. See, when someone says all things are possible with God, everybody loves that shirt. What about all things are possible to him that believes? Jesus said that, not me. He said that. So you see the need for us to believe? So I got to believe that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. I got to believe in my words, in other words, from my heart. I have to believe in my words from my heart. I've had so many people say, I don't believe that faith stuff, that, that you're what you're teaching. Well, okay. Let me tell you someone who does. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Let me tell you someone who does believe in this faith stuff. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Who said that? The previous verse says, how art thou fallen from heaven? O thou that didst weaken the nations. How? You said in your heart. Do you think that Satan didn't have a game plan? Satan had a game plan. And the game plan was to use God's own principles against him. To use believing in my heart and saying with my mouth is going to make it happen. But what he didn't realize is he stepped beyond the boundaries of what the will of God was even for his existence. And so for him to try to operate in that principle of faith was not allowed. Now you believed in your heart, you said it with your mouth, but I'm telling you right now, because you violated my will, you are judged. Period. He thought he could actually do it. But guess what? He failed. He believed in believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. He believed in the power of confession. And what about this one? Look at Joshua chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. 
I'll try to go as quickly as I can. I won't guarantee it, but. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea. You know what? I don't know. If you're like me, I look up the pronunciation for all these things. You should hear how many they, you, they offer you. And they're all different. So whatever it is, it's Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. Okay. I'll use them all. To espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Did you hear what Caleb said? Now notice this. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. How do you think they did that? We can't do it. They're, we're grasshoppers. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. And what happened to Caleb? He got his mountain, didn't he? Because he got, he got what he said, didn't he? Because he had word in his heart. Right. So he believed. Look at Numbers 14, 28. If this doesn't frighten you, I don't know what will. Say unto them, this is God speaking to, the, to, to Moses about the Israelites. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. No man sit on thee hereafter forever. Boom. We have a dust pile for a share. Fig tree. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. What they said was, we're going to die in a wilderness. You brought us out here to die. And they said it over and over and over. And guess what? That last episode, they really believed it from their heart. So guess what they got? See, this faith message is deeper than what people think. People have just misused it, misunderstood it, and as a result, they're not benefiting from it. You've heard the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? That's exactly what they did. And it's to the downfall of many believers. We want the spectacular. I'm not opposed to the supernatural. I'm not opposed to the signs and wonders and the miracles. I've had them. But to live our lives, the just shall live by faith. And I'm telling you, that's the challenge. Look at this next one. Numbers 14, 36, and 37. These are the ten spies that spied out the land. These are the ten spies that made the hearts of the people melt. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made a congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. And you know my inquisitive mind, and I've shared this with you before. Maybe some of you haven't heard it. What was the plague that took those ten spies' lives immediately? Worms ate out their tongue and jaw, and their core being, or their heart. And in John Gill's explanation of this, they felt it was a righteous retribution because they spoke in such a way so as to cause the people of God have their hearts melt and not obey God. So as the leaders, they suffer judgment. How about that one? And the worms ate out their tongue and jaw, and their, it says their navel, which is their heart or their core being. Heart and mouth. So you can see the contrast there. Now, next one, Mark 7, 25 through 30. And this should really excite all of us. For a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. 
a Syrophoenician woman by nation, and she besought him that he would cast out the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said to him, You ready for it? Yes, Lord. Yet. She's talking to Jesus here. The dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because I'm so big and powerful. No? For this saying, go your way. The devil is gone out of your daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Did you hear the reason why? For what? What you said. Look at John Gills. I have it written there for you. He put it this way. For this saying or for this word of faith. Oh, sorry. I said word of faith. In which she expressed such great faith in him. Or the Persic version that says, Go thy way, for with the blessing of this word, in other words, what you said, the daughter is gone out of, I mean, the devil's gone out of your daughter. Man, where did this heart faith come from? She was a Syrophoenician woman. She was a Greek woman. She didn't have a covenant with God. Can you see that? Look at the Mark Matthew's version of it. Look at chapter 15, verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Notice this, great is your faith, be it unto thee even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We're talking about Jesus, the healer, who is teaching on healing. And he's saying, you see, you're healed for what you said. You can't run with this. You can't not have a foundation and do this. People have taken their children off of insulin, who needed insulin to live, and said, oh, you're healed. It doesn't work that way. I've never taught it that way. Ever. You declare by stripes, but also follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and stay firm in what you believe and let the doctor verify your child doesn't need insulin anymore. Then take them off. Or if you get a directive from the Holy Ghost and say, get them off, they're healed. That's fine. He'll follow through. He'll back it up. Can you see that? Okay. So it's important that we understand this. And then, that's only two times that Jesus ever said great faith. And they were both Greeks. Uh, I'm sorry. One was a Roman centurion and the other one was the Greek woman. And he said to them, great is your faith. And that's found in Matthew 8.8. 8. He said, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you desire. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not ready to come under my roof. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Notice that. Those were his words. And you know the rest of the story. Jesus said to him, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. Now let's conclude this with these Couple, last couple verses. In Psalm 23, I'm talking Proverbs 23 rather, and verses 15 and 16. My son, if your heart be wise 